Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Thank you, Tim and Michelle, for filling in for us yesterday. We were doing errands after being in an intensive for 33 days, and so we had running around to do, and that definitely gave us a little uh, edge, a little breezeway there where we didn't have to rush. So we really appreciate that. Today is Tuesday, March the 8th, 2016, and our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue. We would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart. And welcome, everyone. We're honored that you're with us. Once again, to share this ancient information and to bring forward what perhaps is the greatest understanding of human life that has ever existed upon the earth and we're reaching back 2,000 years to establish first century meanings of first century words in the Aramaic language and looking to really understand and come to know not just the tip or the top end of the philosophy of the man named Yeshua but to grasp the how-to, how to arrive at that state of wholeness that he describes in ways that rarely can the world even start to comprehend. Yet, when you go back to his first century words, and then you take the tools that he offers, you come into a direct experience, and that's what we're looking to do with this work. We're not interested in you believing anything we say. In fact, I suggest you question it all the way to the bank, <laughs> that that you ask question upon question upon question about anything that I say, anything Tim says, anything Jeannie says, and then 
just take the tools and work with it. And as you do, we hear all kinds of people talking about the teachings of Yeshua. But how often has the tools that he offered been actually used to arrive at the state where one can actually stand in the space of love when someone does something outrageous and bizarre and creates personal affront or insanity in the world. I came across a uh, quote recently that I thought was just so right on track with, um, with getting to the truth of things, and that is from Stephen Hawking, the, uh, the genius physicist, who says, the greatest enemy of knowledge is not ignorance, but the illusion of knowledge. We see all kinds of people who proclaim to know what the first century Yeshua taught, Yeshua being the actual name of the man that most people refer to as Jesus, the illusion of knowledge. Ah, his name is Jesus. Well, his name wasn't Jesus. If you have the illusion of knowledge, you probably think it was because that's what you've been told. But when you start really looking, you find a direct experience, not the illusion of knowledge, not somebody else's words, not somebody else's beliefs, not somebody else's forcing you to believe or you're going to go to a hot, fiery place forever, but the actual direct experience. And then when you have a personal experience, personally experienced, it becomes a whole different process, a whole different game. And so hence the request, you don't believe anything we say. If you have any uh, any pedestals for me or for Jeannie or Tim or anybody else involved in this work, we suggest that you throw them away very quickly and or transform them into ladders for your own process and your own progress in experiencing the actual work of a man named Yeshua. The most genius mind that has ever showed up on planet Earth in terms of the human experience, in terms of the physiology, the psychology, the neuropsychology, the genetic understanding of this human form, and then the physics, the the energetic dynamics, when you recognize that these are the things that were being spoken of, then instead of the illusion of knowledge and all the belief systems that go around, and you know we're at a point where there are about 32,000 different sects of so-called Christianity, each proclaiming they have the truth. And unfortunately, very loudly and sometimes angry terms, proclaiming they have the truth and condemning terms, judging terms. And what we're looking to do is to heal any propensity toward judgment, condemnation, and owning what's going on inside of ourselves. And when there's disturbance or upset, then the owning of disturbance or upset opens a space for healing to occur and for the forgiveness process to be engaged in. And when we talk about forgiveness, we're not talking about me letting you off the hook because of the terrible thing you did to me if you did something presumably terrible. But rather that if I'm in pain, if I'm in turmoil, if I'm hurting somehow, there's something going on inside of me that I need to resolve. And the major tool of resolution in the first century Aramaic language was forgiveness. 
and it had nothing to do with the illusion of knowledge that forgiveness is about how I let you off the hook for what's happening inside of me. I mean, go look at virtually every expert on the planet that's talking about forgiveness, and they'll tell you that you should forgive them or you should forgive yourself. And we'll offer out of actual knowledge of Yeshua's first century teachings that we invite you to never forgive anybody ever again and never forgive yourself. can't forgive them and you can't forgive yourself. When you understand and you have direct knowledge of what forgiveness is, it's got nothing to do with you letting yourself or somebody else off the hook for what's happening inside of you. That's pardoning. Nice thing to do. Somebody does something bizarre and off the wall, it's a very nice thing to do to pardon them, to let them off the hook. But that's got nothing to do with forgiveness. And the whole world has been conned by the illusion of knowledge that forgiveness is about me letting you off the hook. Now, if you're standing in front of somebody who's telling you that forgiveness is about letting somebody else or yourself off the hook, you better be careful because their illusion of knowledge, as Stephen Hawking says, threatens everything true about the teachings of Yeshua. Like, if they don't understand that one basic precept... Do you really think you can trust anything else that's said? And there'll be people that say, so what? Here's the so what. As a man thinketh in his heart, if you think it in error, you will produce error. If you can't get into alignment with truth, then you live in blockage of truth. And blockage of truth means there are things that you're not going to be able to see. So those, and, and, and I'll say that it took me a decade of searching to understand, actually it was probably a little more than a decade. Once I started to understand that forgiveness was the key, and I used to think that forgiveness was, as I'd been taught as a kid, that, well, you know, you did something terrible and you caused all the pain in me, but it's okay, I'll forgive you, I'll let you off the hook. I used to think that was forgiveness. The illusion of knowledge is such a threat to the truth that it leaves the truth in shambles. Be careful of the illusion of knowledge. And there'll be those out there. And the more force and the more threat they use to back up their illusion of knowledge, the weaker the foundation upon which they stand. No threats required if you've got direct experience. Forgiveness is simply a tool. If you're in pain, then there's something in error inside of you. And forgiveness is how you reach inside yourself and remove the root of your error. That's all. Now, if, if they got that one in error from Yeshua, what else is in error? Be careful, because there's a pretense that someone knows, and they don't know. You can know from your direct experience by the use of the tools. That's why belief isn't required. Nobody has to believe anything about this teaching except to take the tool, put the pen to the paper, and let's see what happens. Do I have an experience of forgiveness? Do I have an experience that some form of hostility, fear, rage, guilt, grief, pain, drama, trauma has been removed from my field? And if it has, then, ah, I've got something that actually works here. Now let's follow that trail of what works rather than the belief systems that don't know and don't have the experience. 
have your own personal experience, personally experienced. And if you use these tools, that's what you'll have. I, I proclaim that with 100% confidence. In fact, we always promise to people double their suffering back if they choose to need it again. Tongue-in-cheek, of course. <laughs> but but to, to really come to understand that, if you're in pain, there's something moving inside of you that doesn't belong inside of you. And the most precious tool that you could possibly find, you know, you're sitting there with your child, and let's say your child is an upset and screaming, and you're ready to go berserk. What does the average parent say? My child is just driving me crazy. Like, no, you're crazy. Your child is showing you your crazy part. What a gift. My spouse just does this and that, and, you know, they just won't listen to me, and they just won't do what I tell them to do. I just That just makes me so mad. Excuse me. Your spouse not doing what you tell them to do will never make you mad in a million years. But if you get mad in the presence of your spouse, here's a little secret thing you can do. Stop, take a breath, and say to yourself, this upset's about me. This upset's about me. This upset is mine. It's about me. And then dig out the forgiveness tool. Now, if you haven't used the forgiveness tool yet, then we invite you to go to our website. It's there with hundreds of hours of free material to support you in engaging in the actual first century Aramaic forgiveness process. So if you go to whyagain.org, that's our website, and you may have to scroll down the page a little bit. You'll see a red, white bullseye. Click on the bullseye. That bullseye will take you through a whole series of links. Here's how to do first century Aramaic forgiveness. Nothing to believe. No belief required. The second link, if you open it up under the bullseye, it will give you a series of worksheets. Just take the top worksheets. There are many variations on the worksheet that we've used over the years, so they're all there. But just take the one at the very top of the list, push the button, print it, and start filling in the blanks. And what you'll find as you fill in the blanks is you will be freed of whatever that disturbance is that your child, your spouse, your neighbor, your boss, the person you look at in the mirror in the morning brings up into you. You'll be free of it. And to live free of those things is forgiveness. It's, it's just the most amazing thing you can imagine. And once you experience that, then we have a request of you. And the request is that you pass it on to somebody else. And, you know, it doesn't take much. It's, it's such a simple process. Sometimes people look at the worksheet and say, oh, this is too complicated. Too many words on the page. Well, let me just explain that. There's a reason why there are so many words on the page. And that's because we're usually, this year's an exception, on the road six to ten months of the year, carrying those pieces of paper around all over the globe and handing them out by the thousands. And keeping it to one page just is a practical necessity because it's hard to carry twice as much paper. And, of course, it gets more expensive when you're doing most of your travel work free. So, it's on one page, and if you read just one sentence in the page at a time, it's simple, it's straightforward, nothing that can be misunderstood or misinterpreted. It's just so simple. You know, how do you feel? 
What's your thought? What's your goal? What do you want here? What's the constructive result you want? It's all very simple and straightforward. The third link under the bullseye, you'll find at least, you'll find a series of our more important, what we consider to be the more important or informative radio shows. And at least 16 of those shows were done by either Dr. Tim, myself, or Jeannie, where we walk somebody through the whole process. So there's step-by-step instructions through the whole worksheet for how to engage in first century Aramaic forgiveness. And just watch what happens. It's uh, it's the most amazing thing. And then, of course, if when you start working with that, you come across things that are complicated, difficult, uh, things that don't make sense to you, things you don't understand or that you need more information about, that's what we're here for five days a week to support you in that. And so, Dr. Tim, again, as Jeannie said, we appreciate you and Michelle with your support yesterday. It did give us the liberty. We were out on the town and getting errands done, and, and we thought about going and finding somewhere where we could get an Internet connection and doing the show. Uh, and fortunately, you guys were available, and I know that people always appreciate when you're doing the show, Tim. So your wisdom and insight much, much appreciation for giving us the space to get through everything we had to do for the day, and we actually let our hair down a little bit, caught a movie. Actually, it was was pretty interesting film. If you haven't seen um, Michael Moore's new movie, where um, he, 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 let's see, the title of it was What Country to Invade Next? And he starts off with this scene where the Pentagon invites him in with, we don't know what we're doing. What do we do? And so he goes off around the globe to, well, actually mostly around Europe, uh, to several different countries from Tunisia to uh, Italy to France and looks for, rather than invading in the sense of, you know, making war on them, going and looking for what things are these countries doing that would be useful for us. For instance, he goes to, uh, let's see, what country was it? Um, like Sylvania? Hmm. Well, he went to Tunisia as one of them and where uh, women are really stepping out of this Muslim country and the transformation that's happening there is pretty awesome. In fact, we talked to someone just the other day who's working on getting us an invitation to Tunisia. I didn't realize how forward-thinking they were. Uh, pretty, pretty awesome. But what, no, it was um, it was Norway. Norway, I believe, yes. And they go into the prison system and they go into a high-security prison, and they show a video that the the uh, you know the high-security inmates that are in there long term are shown when they come in, and it's and it's kind of hard to believe I'm, I'm actually going to I tried last night to buy the video to send it to the uh, the warden at Ionia prison where we did uh, we and, and Rex and uh, and Michelle did a uh, a long-term program and as I thought about sending it to him um, I can only imagine that a, he he just the, the 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 ability to even comprehend what's happening there compared to the system that they're in, where they're ex-stabbings a week and, you know, on and on and on it goes. But but here's this, and I'm, I'm not going to give the whole story away, but just in this one situation where this high-security prison, murderers, et cetera, et cetera, are welcomed, yes, welcomed, not grilled, 
not sprayed with chemicals, not sprayed with powders, not told what they're going to submit to, but are welcomed with the guards at the prison saying together, and they, they actually, the guards produced a video for introducing prisons, prisoners to this prison. And they sing, what is the, we are the world. You know, we are the world, we are the people. We are the ones who make a better day. So let's start. Getting, that's the introduction to this high security prison. And, and then he just goes on from there. Several things that, oh, my God, if we were doing them here in America, what a difference it would make. What a difference it would make. Anyway, if you get a chance to see Where to Invade Next by Michael Moore. Unfortunately, the DVD isn't available yet. But, uh, but uh, if you get a chance to see it, it's... Uh, it's pretty cool. And, you know, some of Michael's videos in the past have been a little confrontive and a little bit out there on the edge, but he's actually pretty gentle with this. He's like, you know, he's, he's mellowed and he comes off pretty gently. And basically what he does in each country that he goes to and finds like he goes into one country where they find some educational uh, things that are just like unheard of in America. He goes to another country where, you know, workers are treated, you know, royally and and so in each place he's got a, he's carrying an American flag throughout and he, he plants the flag and he says, Well we're gonna take your ideas and take them back and use them in America and so anyway it's a pretty cool concept and uh touching, very touching as to uh gee, what if we did this here? How different could the world be? So that was one of the things we got to do yesterday after we got our errands done and uh, we thank you for getting us through the day by doing the show and uh, anything exciting for you today, Dr. Tim? Well, I just want to thank also Julie Harrisick who called in yesterday and made the show with the interaction between Julie and Michelle made it a far easier show than when you have to do them all by yourself. So thank you to both of those people for their input and it was a lovely show. Michelle talked a little bit about her experience at the intensive and decompressing and and um, Julie called and asked for support and something and it turned out to be I think quite nice. So thank you to both of them, and I'm doing well. I'm just um, I'm just coming off of a session in which someone became aware of holding two very intense, deep personal knowings that are directly opposite of each other. And so within within the span of a minute, she said something to the effect of, I'm just going to tell you, and I want the whole world to know, I was an excellent mother. And then in the next breath, with tears coming up and choking, she got an image of her daughter, who's now in her 20s, actually, who's in her 30s, 
and she said, "I just, I just let her down so badly." So maybe you could say something from your perspective about what you know about what two opposing energies like that held within the same mind-body energy system do to a person. Boy, talk about between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> yep. That's uh that's a pretty tough position to live in and you know, I think I think in the extreme, if there's a lot of emotion attached to those two positions, that's pretty much what they call schizoid. Would that fit with your if if one were not able to resolve those two, would that fit with your definition? Well certainly certainly, especially if a person doesn't have other strengths you know, intelligence, coping mechanisms, it can certainly lead there. And and it's agony at at a, at a minimum, it's agonizing. And you know, at least distracting. I'd say at the minimum it's distracting and the next level up it's probably agonizing all the way up to the extreme which could cause, you know, split personality or schizophrenia. However, Think of the goals that are being held that are directly contradictory. And the goals, as we know, drive perception. And so here's a person who every time one goal loads in her mind, it creates one reality for her based on her past experience. And if her goal is to have everybody in the world know that she was an excellent mother... And then the next moment she flips over into seeing her daughter and feeling that she didn't do enough and that she let her down and her goal was to do more to be a good mother and loads that goal and her perception and her reality changes in a heartbeat. It's just dizzying. And we got to witness that right here in the room because she went between those two within the space of a minute and in one her voice was strong and clear and there was pride in her face and her voice. And the next moment when she saw her daughter in the image that she has in her mind and she's had, and she made the statement, I let her down, she was crying and feeling tragically weak. <clears throat> so I got blessed with the option to help her recognize that these are things that can be resolved. These are energies and beliefs that she's been holding on to since she was quite young and that she can dismantle. And as she dismantles them, she gets a clearer picture of her true nature and a clearer access to direct observation, which is that everybody does the best they can in each moment with the opportunities and the resources they have available to them. And she has a chance to see herself lovingly and see her daughter lovingly and literally drop years worth of trauma. It reminded me of listening to the the old Internet show from 2011 where you stepped Lynn through the worksheet process. And in that one radio show, she literally dropped over 20 years of murderous rage. Yeah, in yeah. that one in that one process, and um, yeah, and it's what's possible 
when someone is willing. And the, the woman that was with me earlier today in that session has a willingness that would match what we saw in Lynn. She had a, I don't know if you want to call it uh, courage, but she had a strength, she had the honesty and, and the willingness that with these tools, if I'm going to apply them honestly and I'm going to be willing to look at all of those ugly things that I hold on in judgments about myself, and I'm willing to breathe through it and use the tools and cancel the goals, there really aren't any words for how much transformation can take place in a short period of time. So that's my offering for today. Blessed cool. blessed to be on the team and have access to these tools. Yay, for sure. I hear you loud and clear. And, you know, I, I suspect that someone who's in that posture, that whole put-down-of-self regarding parenting skills, probably, I would suspect, were rooted in power person messages. You know, it sounds like her understanding of herself as a mom comes from being and that perhaps the uh, the put-down of self comes from very early power person messages about how she wasn't good enough, how she couldn't ever do it well enough, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, leading to when that when those brain cells fire, leading to a projection that, while one part of my mind holds I'm this awesome mom, I can hallucinate. I can literally fire a whole different file in my mind that says, well, if my power person told me how you know, poor I was going to do in my life, then as a parent, I must have done poorly. And, of course, that would be the file to be cleaned out with forgiveness, but I suspect that in that situation, that's probably the dynamic that's operating. And, you know, as you mentioned, you know, split personality uh, that might ultimately end up there, or would those two be reflections of, an already split personality, a file in my mind that says I'm never good enough, I can never do it well enough, which, of course, is one that you just want to clean out with forgiveness, and a file that says uh, I'm awesome, I'm a human being, I am the presence of love. So would it, would it, do you think it would be more a reflection of the fact that that split has occurred, or would that be something that may ultimately develop into that split? Are you asking me which is which? Well, I'm just I'm just wondering if if you know when you said that it might ultimately lead to split personality, or would it more likely be a reflection of some sort of a split in the personality? You know, I have a persona for when I'm not good enough, and I have a persona for when I'm awesome. And uh, the the one from of being not good enough probably. You know, it was a reflection simply of power person messages and and genetic messages that the power person had received themselves. Yeah, I'd, I'd say they're both probably true. I think at this point we'd be arguing which came first, the chicken or the egg. <laughs> right. And, and right. you know, it, at, at one level or another, the dynamic probably has to be operating before it solidifies into that persona. And, you know, if if we're lucky, we have lots of intelligence and strength and resources that help us develop coping mechanisms for living with a power person who's not functioning as love, <clears throat> who doesn't know their true nature as the energy of love. And we have to survive that somehow. And if we're right. intelligent and flexible and strong as children, we can develop some what 
at the time seemed to be pretty good coping skills and later they just reveal themselves to be very primitive powerful but primitive and very limited in their application and then they're so rigid because I've practiced them over time that they give me very little flexibility for growing and changing and maturing right well, and, and for those who are, you know, perhaps new to the conversation or recently engaged in the work, just to recognize the, the foundation of the process of, you know, from the point of view of first century Aramaic forgiveness, that perception, the output of the mind, if you go back 2,000 years ago, you hear the Greek translation of Yeshua saying, the eye is the lamp of the soul. If the light for you is darkened, how deep will your darkness become? And if you look at that phrase in Greek or from in English from the Greek translations, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But when you go to the first century Aramaic, here, here's what you hear Yeshua saying. Perception, the output of your mind, a construct of your mind, is meant to guide you through your earthly life. If the light for you, that is your perception, is based in darkness, that is hostility or fear, then how deep will your darkness become? What, what kind of guidance? You know, we're, we're always following perception as our guide. And if darkness, hostility or fear, a perception of self or another, is based in hostility or fear, then what kind of crazy things will we do to destroy ourselves? How deep will our darkness become? and recognizing that perception is always an internal construct that is unique and individual for each of us in every moment of our lives, that, you know, we, we think we're looking out through a pair of windows on the world, and that's false. The, what we call the eyes, the windows, on, or, or call the windows on the world, are actually one-way receivers. They receive information. You see nothing through them. The receiver brings light in, and according to the brain cells that fire, those brain cells paint a picture on the inside of your eyeballs that make you think, and the world teaches you that you're looking out there when you never are. Just you, You've never seen anything outside of you through your body's eyes, but that perceptual system is meant to be the light or the guide that takes you through the world. And so you listen to Yeshua, this genius, who says, the number one law in the whole process of being human is to keep a thing called rachma, which is a filter in the frontal lobes of the brain that keeps you on track for love. So your first order of business is to keep your perceptual system keyed and active with love present in it. That's the first law that's offered. And what a genius piece of information to have. Oh, you mean I can always have my perception the highest and best possible if I keep it connected to love? And in fact, the only time it ever tells me the truth is when it's connected to love. And as in the case you were just sharing, Tim, this woman's connected to love and she's thinking of herself lovingly and what an awesome mom she has and wants the world to know. And then some different brain cells fire and it's the same object of attention as she as a mom, and all of a sudden the construct her mind builds is one based in some sort of hostility or fear about self, and so she has a whole different projection, a whole different reality. And recognizing that's the case, what do you do to fix that insanity? Well, 
Here this genius 2,000 years ago understood what we just told you, that perception is a construct. In fact, you can Google uh, the CIA website and their book on perception, and I quote from their research, who knows how many millions, perhaps billions of dollars spent by the CIA to research perception, and quote, here's what their conclude, one of their conclusions is. We do not record reality. The mind constructs reality. So when you realize you're constructing a reality that looks like you're looking outside yourself, what you're really doing is looking at a picture on the inside of your eyeballs that's meant to walk you through safely through the external world. You have a construct that's designed to guide you through that. And so Yeshua is saying if, if your construct, in this case for this woman it was uh, a reality about self, a construct about self based in hostility or fear, then what you want to do is you want to collapse that construct and get back to a true construct about self. Any construct based in hostility or fear. You don't have to know anything else about a circumstance or a situation except to recognize that if you are in hostility or fear, your constructs will be a lie. They will not be true. They will be inaccurate pictures that will not guide you properly through the external world. They'll always give you poor advice. Yeshua called these constructs appearances, and he said, be careful, don't judge by appearances. Here's what you do. You go back and you restore, according to the first law, love to your mind, and then you'll get a different construct. Now your construct will be the highest and best possible to guide you through your life. Okay, Michael, that sounds good, but what the heck do I do if I've got one of these big, deep, hurtful, negative, terrible, awful, evil, nasty, wicked, horrible constructs going on in my mind? What do I do? Oh, that's easy. You recognize that every construct your mind creates is driven by a goal. And the goal that drives the construct, when you remove it, collapses the construct. In the Aramaic language, the word forgive is shebag or shabak, and it doesn't mean let somebody else off the hook. It means to cancel. So, if I recognize that what's driving the construct in my mind that I'm a bad father is something inside my mind and the, 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 the perception that I'm that bad father is something inside my mind, the way I access the hidden part of my mind that holds that belief and then when it fires, it forces me to believe that I'm a bad father, that that's true, the goal that drives the construct, when I cancel it, collapses the construct. And when the construct collapses, I, love, get to access the root of the aberrant construct, the hostility and fear-based beliefs. And when I bring the mind of love to those hostility and fear-based beliefs, they fall apart. They dissolve. The energy of them literally begins to disappear from my physiology. And that's called healing. Listen to Yeshua 2,000 years ago. You must forgive from your heart. Now, we couldn't even translate that word heart until just a few decades ago in the West. Once the unconscious was rediscovered, we were able to understand what that word meant. 
It wasn't a bleeding heart statement, you forgive from your heart, but rather it was saying, you must enter into your unconscious and remove the data based in hostility or fear that you're using to build your brain's pictures, your construct of yourself or others. And when you do, you'll be freed of that aberrant information and you'll get your perceptual system back on track, powered by the fuel that's designed to run it, and that is love. So if love isn't in your mind, stop everything you're doing and forgive. And forgive and forgive and forgive. And, you know, when they said to Yeshua, how many times do we have to do this, forgive this thing? In Aramaic, he says, 77 times 70. I'm sure the disciples weren't going, let's see, 77 is 49, carry the force. That wasn't what he was, he wasn't talking the literal number. He's saying, you will do as many forgiveness worksheets as you need to until you're finished with the energetic pattern that is in your genes that came from your environment or that you made up and accepted. You'll forgive as many times as you need to until that energetic dynamic of hostility or fear is removed from you. When it is removed from you, whatever cells it was in, if they were in your liver, your lung, your heart, or your brain, then your liver, your lung, your heart, or your brain will heal because those energies are no longer there distorting the energy field of those organs. And then you will be able to come up with the highest and best construct based in a mind connected to active love. And now you'll see the best possible way to do a behavior that will bring you forward in the best possible outcome there is. Hostility or fear won't give you that gift. A mind of love always will. And so it is... a. A great privilege, Tim, and I, I hear you loud and clear when you say that. It's just be able to facilitate that with someone, to be the space that supports somebody in hostility or fear, being able to drop and let loose of that. And, of course, that one of the big keys is that cosmic grease of willingness. When someone's unwilling, oh, man, it can be like pulling teeth. But once one steps into willingness... And, and their support there, the energetic dynamic of hostility or fear, literally can just be blown away in a second. And, of course, we can only reach to the depth of that particular dynamic that needs healing from the height of vitality that we're at. That's the beauty of, you know, working in the, in the space with you, Tim, where they've got that support or the support group or an intensive and oftentimes there are, are energetic dynamics that people will probably never access on their own without that kind of intensive support because the the depth of pain and trauma and turmoil and the ability to pull oneself up out of that hole is, is quite a challenge on one's own. And so that's why if you're engaged in this work and these tools are making sense to you, we invite you to start a support group. There are mind shifters groups all over the world, and there are places where people go to study this work, to, to engage in the process of forgiveness, to build the brain cells for the work, and to really, truly learn forgiveness and be supported in that process. And it is always most amazing uh, when 
we're not standing just on our own, but have the shared vitality of a number of people who are holding the space of love to move forward into that healing process. Well, speaking of the support, I just, uh, as you were speaking, received a text from someone that was at one of your intensives recently and wanted me to let you know that her mother just made it through the surgery. Oh, so we can ask everybody in the in the listening audience to send love and support to Mary and her mother and know that at this stage anyway she has moved to a new level of uh, progress and actually had a surgery and survived it. Fabulous, fabulous. Well, I, I was talking to Mary this morning. I just called her just to kind of check in and see how she was doing. So we definitely send Mary's mom all the love and support we can. She had a broken hip and, and fell and and uh, cracked a, a vertebrae in her spine, I guess. So we'll see Mary's mom's spine healing fully, recalcifying so that she's got good, strong bones and uh, her hip as well. So glad to hear that, that she's uh, she's come through it well. And Mary, we are, we're holding you in our hearts in that space of love and invite everybody, wherever you are on the globe, to just send Mary that loving support and caring energy. Nothing like a little help from our friends. And Jeannie tells Michael, me we've we got a call. Her, so let's go for it. Well, I think I think you're right. Let's say hello. All right, Eric Code five four one. You're on the air. Hello, it's Julie from Ashland, Oregon. Hey, young lady. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I loved what you were both talking about today. Beautiful. Um, I I uh, could give you some examples of that in my own life, <laughs> but I won't. I I called. I could, if you want, just this weekend. I had a couple of them, which is actually amazing for me to go through two wins like that in two days in a row. So I'm really awesome. starting to get it. I know. Very um, cool. Yeah. Um, I. I have a question for you and Dr. Tim, and you can decide who wants to go first or whatever. Um, Dr. Tim's is uh, for him to maybe give a little um, comment on what he thought of his or what his experience of um, the, um, what's his name, Finley, Guy Finley's uh, first class on Sunday on relationships. And then for you, Michael, um, um, this is something that once in a while you'll bring up about the CIA website and how it has right. um, commented that we, um, our brains do not necessarily record anything, but they generate. I think I got that right. I might be misquoting you. So I kind of wondered where you got that from. And, and I was telling it to somebody, and they were saying, well, why are you on the CIA website? <laughs> so I wondered if maybe you got that from Michael Coughlin or something like that. But um, Can I add to, the, to that? Um, yeah. After the radio show, if you go to the archives, I have put the link to that on today's archive, so you can go to it oh. and read it. Oh, thanks. Okay, well, that's good. And that's all I had for today, um, unless you want so to why share my example. Why, why, why would I be on the CIA website? Because if there's information that enlarges our understanding of the tools that Yeshua taught, I'm up for it. And, you know, there's a group of folks who spend a lot of money 
understanding perception. And it's one of the keys of the teaching of Yeshua and one of the places where they're in a hundred percent agreement with him, which I think is pretty cool to come forward to. Mm. You know, there's so many places we can go. You know, we can go look at um uh Bruce Lipton's work as a cell biologist and he's telling us that that the the cell when it receives a thought, that is a thought becomes a neuropeptide and lands on the cell. Yeshua, if you go to the first century Aramaic book of John where we're told it says in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh in Greek in Greek they tell us that but in Aramaic it says in the beginning was the mind energy the mind energy became flesh so let's come forward 2,000 years and we find cell biologists verifying Yeshua's teachings let's come forward 2,000 years and we find the CIA verifying Yeshua's teaching I mean the list goes on and on and on so I'm always up for where can we find information for understanding the truth? And I wouldn't exclude anyone from that research, even the CIA with what I suspect and understand are many, many, many huge questionable motives. But that's another story. <laughs> oh, thanks, Michael. That was very, very good. I I appreciate knowing that you're where your integrity stands. <laughs> so that's okay. And then um that's great. And I'll go so your read that for Tim. Yes. Your question for well, Tim about so, the uh the weekend. All right, so the question about Guy Finley has to hold on until I've actually listened to the show, which I've you know, paid for so I can do it at my leisure. And um all right. I just wanted to to correct something that you were saying, Julie. Mm-hmm. Michael, um, you said something to the effect of the brain doesn't record anything. Well, the re- the brain records all kinds of things. Yeah. What we're saying about yeah. perception is that our brains don't record our perception. They don't perceive it. They actively construct it, and then it oh. gets recorded. And then it gets recorded in our carbon-based memory and just replayed and replayed and replayed. Oh. But the point of that discussion is that perception is not a passive process where I simply, I walk into a room with my eyes closed and then I open my eyes for ten seconds and I actively, I mean, I actually see everything in the room. That's not the way perception works. My mind will be scanning, picking up things that are relevant to me, highlighting them, ignoring other things, and creating an impression in my mind based on my past experience and what gets resonated. And I will walk away from that experience thinking, I know what was in that room. I had a perception that was accurate. Without realizing, my mind created my perception. It constructed it out of bits and pieces of my past memory and events, traumatic energies, and the stimulation that was hitting my eyes from whatever was bouncing off of the the light that was bouncing off of the objects in the room. So the point is that there's a very active process for constructing realities and constructing my perception. And then my mind, my brain, we call it the mind, but it's the brain, the carbon-based memory, the physical brain just records it like a hard drive. And then any time it gets triggered, just plays it back. And like they talk about in 
the computer world. If you put garbage in, you get garbage out. If I put a false perception in today, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, when that memory gets triggered, I have a false perception to base my my activities on. So here's a woman that was in my office today in her mid-50s, and she's talking about something that happened back when she was five years old. She's talking about when she gets triggered to a memory from when she was five years old, she feels like the five-year-old. Her perception is based on the false beliefs and the false perceptions that she constructed and downloaded as realities in her mind when she was five years old. And that's how she can sit here on the couch and say one part of her mind looks back and realizes that when she was 19 and and 20 years old and she was a single mother, she worked hard, she did everything she could to take care of her child, she provided for herself, for her child, got good child care, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and did everything she could to be a loving parent. And she knows and she wants to proclaim from that set of brain cells and that reality that she constructed, she was an excellent mother. And then she has something get resonated from further down the past of where, as Michael was saying, probably full of power person dynamics, and it got downloaded into her when she was five years old that she's a bad person, that she's intolerable, that she has no place in the world, that she never does anything right. And from that set of brain cells firing and knowing, the same woman in her mid-50s, moments later than she, after she said, I'm, I was an excellent parent and I want everybody to know that, she cries and says, I, I failed my daughter. I let her down. So she was there in both places. She's right here today. And she has these competing realities firing in her brain that were constructed actively by her at different points in her life which have little or nothing to do with her absolute value as a person and how well she cared for her child, etc. And they're both there and they're both active and she has to deal with the impact on her thoughts and emotions from both of them unless she has the tools to reach inside herself and dismantle them. Mm. Mm. And I would add, I would add to that, I would add to that, that when one of those early perceptions is activated, it is massaged by the mind into looking like today. And another language that I think you'll Mm -hmm. make sense of this in, Julie, is if you go to the lesson on the course, and we're getting ready soon to come out with this video, it's called What is the World? And... Mm -hmm. In that lesson, the Course speaks about two worlds. It speaks about the, the capital W world, the actual world, the room that you walk into. And then it speaks about the lowercase world, the world you see. And you'll remember how often in the Course of Miracles it speaks about the world you see, the world you see, the world you see, the world you see. The world you see is false perception. It is a construct. So once I form that construct in my mind, I think if I've, if I've been taught that I've got windows, I'm looking out there, I'm seeing what's actually out there when I'm seeing a construct in my mind. So that's what the CIA is saying, that we do not record, you know, walk in the room, as Tim says, and record what's actually there. We construct mm-hmm. the world we see from moment to moment to moment. And the way to tell whether your construct is accurate or not, the first order of business is, 
is my mind functioning plugged into love or is it plugged into hostility or fear? Yeshua says, if you're plugged into hostility or fear when you're constructing the world you see, and, you know, few people on the planet have ever even conceived of they're constructing this thing in their brain. They think they're actually looking out there, and they're not. Mm -hmm. So if I'm constructing the world that I see out of hostility or fear, then the world that I see is simply a replication from my past massaged into looking like what I think is out there. When I recognize that, every time I have a perception based in hostility or fear, if I can simply inform myself. Little words, easy. This is mine. Three words. This is mine. Then I can stop, take a breath. I can engage in the forgiveness process and collapse that construct. And when I collapse that construct, I'll have direct access to the data under the surface that that construct is made of. And I'll be able to remove that data from my field so that it no longer massages the world that I construct into looking like what happened to me when I was two or five or ten or fifty, whenever the, the traumatic event occurred. And the way I'll be able to tell that I'm constructing something that's at least in harmony with or consistent with the world as it actually is, is that I'm staying connected to love. I keep my physiology and my mind plugged into the active presence of love. Then my mind is going to give me the highest and best possible construct in this situation. And it'll be a construct that keeps me plugged into love and therefore keeps me plugged into a mind higher than that of a carbon-based memory. And it's always going to give me better advice. It's always going to tell me, prompt me to to the behaviors and decisions and choices that are higher than I would get out of my hostility or fear-based false constructs. Exactly. <laughs> Makes sense? Thank you. Yes, thank you. And, uh, so who knows what uh, the world's going to look like when we all get to the point where everybody's forgiven every construct based in hostility or fear and we're all actually plugged into the active presence of love 24-7-365. Yes. Who knows what it's going to look like? But it's going to be a different game. And we're getting glimpses of it. I, I really feel the critical mass is uh, has, has turned. You know, getting close, yeah. That. I experience it in my myself and in my what I see out there uh, a lot. Awesome. So I'm grateful for Very that cool. being able to see. Yes. Thank you, Hi, Michael. young lady. Well, we're we're getting close to the last few seconds, so I'm just going to say. Thank you for your calls, Dr. Tim. You are deeply appreciated. And Jeannie, so are you. And we hold space that you create the best year yet of your eternal life, every one of you that's listening, and and support those around you. Whether you call them friend or foe, living as true human beings, 
having compassion for the pain and the trauma that others hold, being the active space of love when we see others in some sort of pain, being the active space of love, being able to return to the active space of love when something less than love comes up in ourselves so that we can actually move toward the world as it was originally designed to be, where each of us lives out of our true human nature. We all started out with that presence of love as newborns. Let's go back. Let's go back as a community and a world. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife, Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www.whyagain.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 